Swing and fly ball left field. Back, Sawinski. It's gone! Keston Hero walks it off. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, I love this network. I love the variety on our network. I mean, think, we got Evo in the morning. They're Madison, baby. They got the Badgers. They're in the thick of things. They're connected to the university. Zach Heilper and Evo, Ben, they got the sources, right? Kenny and Heilprin at night. Hey, we got the Madison flavor. And then we got Bill Michaels, the big unit. He's over near Milwaukee, right? The big city. He's bumping elbows with important people, talking to important people, getting scoops. He's over there by the big city. And then there's me I'm on the other side of the state. I'm in lacrosse. And I think it creates this fantastic, this mix, right? From the lakefront to the riverfront. We got all sorts of opinions and points of view. And I think it makes for this great variety of, uh, of takes and topics throughout the day. Right, like the the song at church, we are many parts, but we are all one body. This network, many parts, but we are all one body. And I think it is our, our differences. Uh, I, I think it's the the, the 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 little intricacies and idiosyncrasies that make this network so great. From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and some nights later, you get Kenny and Heilprin. A little bit of Badger Talk after dark, or soon to be after dark. Now, it's on a day like today that I really notice the, uh, the occasional regionality of our network. I woke up this morning and I turned on over the line with Evo and Nelson. And what are they talking about? They're talking about uh, the Chase Wolf injury. (laughs) Talk about the Badgers backup quarterback, right? Now that's their thing. Good for them. You know what I thought when I woke up this morning and I I stepped outside? It was 62 degrees or whatever. I felt that brisk fall air. I thought, oh, it feels like Oktoberfest. Right? We all have our little differences. I think that's what makes this network great. We're a melting pot, just like America, really. It's a very American network from 6A to 6B. It's just today. I was listening to Evo in the morning, then Bill, now this show, and it's like, you know what? There's all these little differences throughout the day. I think makes for a fun mix of sports talk. Uh, so, by the way, if you're expecting Chase Wolf talk on the show tonight, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you really had to get that in the morning because that's I'm going to leave that to the to the Madison guys. That can be their thing. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an awesome day, an exciting NFL day. Today was cut down day, so you might have been checking Twitter, checking push notifications on who the Packers were letting go, who they were retaining. No huge surprises, nothing shocking. I don't know if it was a caller yesterday who asked about any potential cuts and any surprises. You know, we've had some surprising cuts over the years. Mike Daniels out of nowhere. I still remember where I was. I was staining a deck. That was my day job two summers ago. You know, I wouldn't come into the building till around two and three and first half of my day because I'm a hardworking blue collar man. So shout out to those who like to dump on my generation, especially maybe on other shows on this network. Uh, I was painting. I was staining, rolling that stain. And I was listening uh, probably to Bill Michaels at the time. Mike Daniels cut. Wow, now that was a surprise. Or years ago, Josh Sitton was cut. That was a surprise. Nothing like that today, but I don't think we expected a surprise. I don't really know if there was a surprise cut candidate. We got some news about Mason Crosby. He's being activated off the pup, so he's going to be ready to start the season. That was big news. But nothing crazy. I want to talk about the Packers cuts. We're going to talk about the Brewers today as well. And I want to get back to the Jimmy G story that we 
kind of tried to talk about last night, but we didn't really have all the details, so we didn't really know what to do with it. Well, now we've had time to gather some information, and I've been studying, studying like a Jesuit, which is one of my new favorite expressions. I think I got all the details of this Jimmy G thing down, and I I don't think we really appreciated the complexity uh, and the meaning of Jimmy G coming back to the Niners yesterday, so I'm glad we're going to revisit that tonight. We also have two guests, two guests Tuesday which isn't a thing unless there's two guests. Then I make it a thing. Two guests Tuesday. J.R. Radcliffe, the Journal Sentinel. He covers the Brewers. Uh, he does some podcasting for the Brewers and the Bucks. He's their trending sports reporter as well. I've heard him on other shows. An outstanding guest. I can't wait to bring him on this show in about a half hour. First time guest. So everyone, let's button up. Best behavior. We want to impress him. I think we impressed Eric Eager yesterday. Hopefully he gained some new Twitter followers. That was our big goal. Let's do the same with J.R. Let's welcome him in. Make him feel like he's a part of something here. Mike Clements is going to join us at 5.30. Now, Mike is not a full-time guest, but still, best behavior. Uh, You know, clean things up, sit up straight, you know, the works. We're going to talk Packers and everything that happened today or didn't happen today, depending on how you look at it, with who the Packers cut or who they didn't cut. So we'll talk to Mike, Packers cut day, and the final 53-man roster. Perfect guy to talk to. He'll join us at 5.30. Am I a bad sports talker for not doing a 53-man roster prediction? I was looking at Twitter today, and I saw some other sports talk guys like, oh, my 53-man roster prediction, oh, it's shot to hell. Like, you know, like it's a March Madness bracket. I will leave that to the real Packers folks. Like Andy Herman, for example, friend of show. He put out his 53-man prediction, and that wasn't right. He was tweeting today. It's like, oh, I got this wrong, this wrong. If Andy Herman can't get it right, you know, what am I going to do? It's like Chase Wolf is injured. What does that mean for the Badgers quarterback room? I don't know. Let Zach and Ben and Ebo talk about that. I don't, you don't come to me for that. You don't need to listen to me ramble and predict things that are probably going to be wrong. That's a waste of time, right? So I didn't put out a 53-man roster prediction. Maybe next year. Maybe next year I'll take a crack at it. A couple of cuts today that maybe weren't surprising but were of note and worth discussing. First name I saw today was Danny Etling, third-string quarterback. When that news broke, I heard, uh, to reference Star Wars, I heard voices cry out all over the state, and they were suddenly silenced. We had a a big contingent of Danny Etling fans in this state. I I don't really know why. Like, I had a couple calls. I know who's calling in. We got a call from Ron, who said he lives somewhere north of La Crescent, which is in the foothills of the Minnesota Driftless region. So I don't know what Ron is doing. He's holed up today. He's probably watching Jordan Love film. He was all over Danny Etling, got a lot of calls. Ben Kenny was almost driven to madness by some of the calls that he got on the Bill Michaels show. Start Danny Etling over or Jordan Love. He should be the second string guy. I just think Packers fans and owners alike, I am an owner, I think we struggle with quarterbacks that aren't Aaron Rodgers. Because we're used to Brett Favre. We're used to Aaron Rodgers. We don't really have a good grasp of how everyone else has it. It's like an arrested development when... Lucille is like, just get a banana. How much could it be? $5? She has no clue what anything costs. We don't have a grasp on what most people go through with quarterbacks on a year-to-year basis. So when we're asked to assess or to evaluate a quarterback, we don't know what we're doing. We have no grip on reality. We watch Aaron Rodgers every week. I find it so interesting, though, that we're always craving for a competent backup. Brett Hundley was never good enough, and we tried Scott Tolzine and Seneca Wallace and got three years invested in Brett Hundley, three years invested in Joe Callahan. We just, years and years and years we've gone, and we've always wanted this backup quarterback. And we're always reaching. We always want to turn a guy into the backup. Hey, Tim Boyle, he's the guy. Kirk Benkert, he's the guy. Danny Etling, he's the guy. Hey, is Jordan Love. I think for the first time in a while, we actually have a competent backup quarterback. 
And yet a big majority or, or at least a solid section of Packers fandom doesn't like Jordan Love. Wasted pick. Doesn't play. Well, if we need a backup quarterback this year, Jordan Love's probably going to be a pretty solid option. Certainly better than Etling or Benkert or Boyle or our brother in Christ, Scott Tolzien or Seneca Wall or any of these names that have come before Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love will probably be pretty good. So it's weird because this fan base just craves for competent backup play, and we probably have have a competent backup, but that's not good enough. We need to be more than a competent backup. It's very weird. So Danny Etling, we hardly knew ye. Rest in peace. Another name that was cut today, Juwan Winfrey. I saw some tweets. I had a couple of group chats that were just ablaze. Some fans are not happy about this. A lot of Juwan Winfrey fans out there. Now, I'm no scout, but the way I see it, Juwan Winfrey and Samari Toure were basically one in the same. Toure is younger. I'm just going to bet on Toure instead of Juwan Winfrey. We have a year with Juwan Winfrey. He was drafted by the Broncos. I uh, Toure seems to be pretty good at special teams. He made some plays late in the preseason. Let's just reset. Try Toure, see if he becomes something. It's like betting. If you had to price Jawan Winfrey and price Samari Toure, they're both long shots, but Samari Toure is giving you the better odds. I want the better odds. Give me the better number. Jawan Winfrey and Toure are basically the same, but a bet on Toure is probably going to pay out more than a bet on Jawan Winfrey. If we bet on Jawan Winfrey and we put him on the roster, he might play here and there, and he might make one play throughout the season. I'm not discounting the possibility that Samari Toure could be a contributor. It's a long shot. But that long shot could pay off more than a Juwan Winfrey bet if that bet were to hit. So go for the long shot. Get the bigger payout. Chances are neither of those bets cash anyways. I'll take Samari Toure on the roster. I have no problem releasing Juwan Winfrey. Rodgers might, although I'd like to think they gave him a heads up because he was praising him in a press conference the other day. We have uh, Jake Kumaro 2.0, if not. So Goody, hope he, uh, hope he, he, he made a man of the people today, hopefully. He was nice about it. Uh, Packers cut Jack Heflin. Surprising part is they also cut Chris Slayton. So for the last week or so, I've been talking, man, there's so much depth on the D-line, depth at inside linebacker. It seems like they're only going to keep five defensive linemen, unless I missed something in the last hour and a half or so, because I was trying to prep for other parts of the show and get some Brewers thoughts organized, some Jimmy G stuff. But they're not going to keep as many defensive linemen as I thought maybe they were. I wish they had one more edge rusher. They're a little shallow on the edge to only keep five defensive linemen, because if they get bit by the injury bug at either edge rusher or D-lineman, they're just going to be a little short up front. And that's why I think Quay Walker is going to do some pass rushing. I think he's going to have to do some independent contracting work. Let's think of it that way, at edge rusher. I think here and there, he's going to have to play up and rush the passer and kind of fill in and help out. I actually like that, independent contracting. He can make his own hours. <laughs> kind of work when he wants, set his own schedule. You know, and he'll have the tools to be his own boss. It's cool. What do they say that about Enterprise Rent-A-Car? Probably just get a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. They have a good corporate structure. And, you know, they give you the tools to be your own boss. I, I like this. I like the idea of thinking of Quay Walker as an independent contractor at Edge Rusher. You know, 25 hours a week. Just something to get out of the house. Pitch in uh, to put pressure on the quarterback. I like that. We're going to revisit that. Quay Walker as an independent contractor at edge rusher. We're, we're going to return to that take. Uh, I want to talk more Packers today. Trust me, it's cut down day. We have a lot to say about the Packers in the NFL. I also want to make mention of the Brewer game last night. That game was electric. It was awesome. It was one of the best Brewer games of the season, probably on my Mount Rushmore. There's not a bunch of amazing games. Those have been few and far between. Last night was, 
was awesome. Maybe it's on my Mount Rushmore for 2022 Brew Games. I'm not sure. In the moment, I'm absolutely putting it on the Mount Rushmore. Maybe I need to sleep on it, think about some other options. Now, it's worth mentioning that they almost lost last night. If they would have lost last night, that would have been unbearable. Like, I would have been, not on suicide watch, but I would have been standing at my window, looking out over the street, pondering my life. It's really not as dramatic as I'm making it sound because I live on the second floor, so I... I don't even know if I could break a limb if I jumped out my window of my apartment. They would have lost last night. I would have been so pissed. So three wins in a row, one of the best Brewer games of 2022. Well, TBD on whether or not it's on our Mount Rushmore. But much too often, Brewer games have left me feeling like uh, like Larry David and Curb. I tweeted the gif a couple of nights ago where he goes, F you, I'll see you tomorrow. Is he shutting the door? It's like, I hate you. You suck. Why do you keep doing this to me? I'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, because I can't, I can't quit this team. Last night's game was awesome, but if they had lost, it would have been an all-timer. It came at everything. In the third inning, we had Jason Lane coaching at third base like Ken Maka. I have no clue what he's doing. He held up Garrett Mitchell when I think he probably could have scored standing up. Then he sent Yelich, I think, to make up for the mistake of not sending Garrett Mitchell. Yelich gets gunned down. And then he sends Rowdy to Les, who weighs like 300 pounds. I'm like, let's please not injure Rowdy. And then he had to leave the game, and it doesn't seem like it's a huge deal, but... I'm like, Jason Lane, I, I already got to deal with this crap from the Packers special teams. Can we not have a third base coach of all people or all entities costing the Brewers runs? I just, God, miss Eddie Cedar. Corbin Burns is given a three-run lead. Naturally, he gives it away. This guy can't pitch with a lead. I don't get it. I can't wait to ask J.R. Radcliffe about this at 435. Someone explain to me how Corbin Burns can look like prime Sandy Colfax, and the second that his offense goes and gets him three or four runs, he gives it right back. He can't pitch with a lead. I think this Brewers team has broken his brain. He needs to be in the pressure cooker to succeed because he's so used to being in the pressure cooker. It's bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. He gets a three-run lead, and as soon as he did, I said, oh, boy, here we go. And O'Teal Cruz hit a home run, or O'Neal Cruz smashed a home run. Damn it. This game also had Craig Council uh, not verbally signaling, but uh, visually signaling to the bullpen for Brent Suter waving his arms like a raptor. But then I also saw somewhere, and I'm not sure if this is true, that that was the signal because I guess Brent Suter drives a Tesla that has suicide doors, which seems like an odd combination. And that seems to be the thought of Craig Council too. So he's mocking Brent Suter waving his arms like that. We also had a scoreboard message of a guy getting friend zoned. I'm sure you saw that on social media. If you didn't go look it up, there was a message that someone paid to put on the scoreboard. that's like, Hey Mark, we have a good thing going. Let's not ruin it. <laughs> Who spends hundreds of dollars to take out a scoreboard message to friend zone a guy that's ruthless. That's privileged friend zoning right there when you have hundreds of dollars to, to buy a buffer, put it on the scoreboard. Then last night, speaking of actual baseball, we had Garrett Mitchell's first ever home run. Swinging a drive right center. Way back. game. First big league home run for Garrett Mitchell. Ties it up. Garrett Mitchell, this guy, he's a good-looking guy, too. I just got to get that out there. We're all thinking it. He's a handsome guy. He, he makes the Brewers more visually appealing. You got Keston here as flowing hair. Garrett Mitchell, great beard. I love the shadow beard. Not too long, not smooth face. I love that look. Curly hair, family in attendance. Doesn't really matter, but the aesthetics, I think, do matter. He's a good-looking guy. That's important. He's an eye test guy. Keston here, flow in tow, then walks it off in the ninth. Swing and fly ball left field. Back, Sawinski. It's gone! the game last night didn't look like very many kind of effed up this team is in a pennant race 
trying to make a playoff spot. And uh, ballpark looks kind of empty. And then Garrett Mitchell in his, in his postgame with Sophia is like, man, thanks all these fans that came out. It's like, dude, it looks like there's 9,000 people there. And it's almost September. Like, we got to do better. Come on. I can't wait for tonight's Brewer game. I cannot quit this damn team. I don't know what it is. Tim and Menominee says, hi, Grant. Not going to go all nuclear like I did with the Brewers last time. Had to get that off my chest. Oh, you were, yeah. Oh, okay, so I missed your, sorry. I missed your previous text. was really hoping Heflin would stick. Saw a side note that the Packers didn't have anyone signed by another team uh, that they cut last year. Not going to happen this year. Think. What is this? What are you saying, Tim? Think somebody scoops up that 6'9 tackle, Goody cut. Did they cut? I thought they cut the other one. They cut the West Virginia lineman. I think they kept Walker, the 6'7 one, right? Or 6'9, however tall he is. We're going to talk to Mike Clemens at 530. Mike will be able to zero in on all of these little details. Um, Heflin not staying around was a little surprising. They got a lot of D linemen. My my biggest surprise is they only kept five. I thought they would have kept more. Maybe. Maybe Heflin stays. Maybe he goes. I was just surprised they cut as many D linemen as they did. We'll talk more Packers. I want to come up and talk about Christian Yelich for a few minutes before we get to J.R. Radcliffe, and then we're going to do mostly football the rest of the way. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. First big league home run for Garrett Mitchell ties it up. Garrett Mitchell, first ever home run last night, first start on Sunday, first RBI. And I'll say it, he's a good looking guy. He's a 10. That's a, that's a good looking man. I get, a t- I get a text here from one of my buddies who I haven't talked to in a while. And I just want to read it for you because it made me laugh. Yeah, Mitchell is hot. Listening to you on radio, you said what I was thinking. Good looking fella. <laughs> Sorry. I, like, I'll be that guy. Last night, our friend Kurt Hogue of the Journal Sentinel tweeted out, Garrett Mitchell is fast, very fast. And I quote tweeted that tweet at Wisco Grant. I said, he is also handsome, very handsome. Good looking fella should help attendance this month. You know that and the fact that he can actually hit the ball. Some text here from Julie, Mike. I appreciate everybody. I don't think the message on the scoreboard last night was for Mark Atanasio. I know that's what some people are saying. that, That doesn't make sense to me. That's a really deep joke that Mark has friend zoned the fans by keeping us at arm's length and not going all in. I, I don't know. That, that seems a little bit too galaxy brained. I don't know. We need to get to the bottom of where this Mark scoreboard story came from. We're going to talk to J.R. Radcliffe, who covers the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. He's also their trending sports reporter. So he's the perfect guy to talk to all of this about today. The the looks of Garrett Mitchell, the message on the scoreboard, the weird Brent Suter signal that came from the dugout last night from Craig Council, which was awesome. He's the perfect guy to discuss all of these topics with. And we'll do some, you know, serious Brewers stuff, too. J.R. Radcliffe, Journal Sentinel, coming up in 10 minutes. My name is Grant Bills. You can call and text the show, 608-796-2558. You can find me on Twitter, as St. Paul Schmidt does, tweeting in. Thanks for the tweet, Schmidt. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Something we talked about a little bit yesterday, just barely. We just touched on for a sec. Something is going on with Christian Yelich. I don't know what it is, but it's something good. It's something positive. Something, something's cooking there. I was at the YMCA last night, humble brag. 
I don't need to post pictures on Twitter and Instagram like my coworker Ebo does. I just, you know, knows the grindstone, go about my business, whatever. Uh, as the Badgers said once upon a time, I don't know if this is still their mantra, nobody cares, work harder. Yeah, that's me. Uh, so I was at the YMCA last night. I was doing some curls, and I looked up at the TV. The Brewers game had started, and Yelich just, just lasered one. Now, for the first out of the game, it was an out. But he just rocked this baseball. And even on mute, even in workout mode, you know, my, my sports brain is cooking. I'm like, damn, something is going on with it. I tweeted, something is afoot. Something's happening with Yelich. And I looked at the exit velocity today, 106 miles per hour on that line out in the first inning last night. Now, for reference, Yelich's top exit velocity this season is 117 miles per hour. That's top 2%. Major League Baseball per baseball savant. So that 117 mile per hour top exit velocity of the season, that's up there with the top of the rest of the league. So pretty, pretty on par for, you know, some of the hardest hit balls. 117 miles per hour. That's his top. That's the reference point. These are Christian Yelich's last 11 balls put in play. 106, 106, 197, 110, 96, 107, 96, 81. Wow, soft. 110, 104. His launch angles are also pretty darn good. So the exit velocity on average of his last 10 balls put in play, or last 11, 101.2. That seems good. And if you've watched the Brewers the last couple of days, even on balls that have been caught, it's not just Yelich. They're hitting these balls hard. They're hitting the ball really, really hard. And I don't know what it is. I suppose you could go through all the data from the last four games, Write down the exit velocity of all the balls put in play, do the averages, and you could probably draw some conclusion. I don't want to do that. All I test here, they're hitting the crap out of the ball. You can see it, right? I was there in person on Sunday. I test. I was watching the physical game at American Family Field, and I was just like, wow, they're smoking the ball, even on flyouts and lineouts. Now, it could be that they're just playing the Cubs and the Pirates, maybe, but. They were 3-15 and 15 versus the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds in their last 18 games against them as of Friday. So, sure, you could tell me that the Brewers now are just doing what they're supposed to do against bad teams, but hey, that's at least a step in the right direction. Something has changed the last three games. It might not be significant, might not translate to elite competition, but geez, I'll take what I can get. The Brewers just need to beat the bad teams in their division, and at least they're doing that. I don't know what's changed, but something something's cooking. Something's going on. Matt's in Cross Plains, 608-796-2558. What's up, Matt? Hey, long time no talk, Grant. How are you doing? How's the stash? I'm uh, <laughs> it's doing good. I, I know. We've gotten a lot of calls the last couple of days, and I feel bad because I can only take so many because we only have one phone line. We don't have a call screener behind the you know, scenes getting everyone organized. So I'm, I'm sorry. I know you've been trying to call. I've been able to get to you. It's nice to have you here. I'm, I'm sorry it's taken this long. Oh. Oh, it's no problem. You know, I, I've been busy, you know, trying to uh, keep keep track of, you know, how, how that exit velocity for the Brewers, man. <laughs> Christian Yelich, he's found something. He's found something. What do you think it is? I don't know. Do you I think, think, he, do you think, think he found a way to steal signs again? <laughs> no, no, I think he's found a way to hit really uh, subpar pitching. Uh, he hasn't, you know, really, you know, facing the Cubs, of course, uh, and now the Pirates. So we'll, we'll just see. But, you know, like I said, Garrett Mitchell, he was the answer. Telling you, I just sparking some life into your team. Wow, bringing up a bat that was hitting well in AAA to inject some energy into this team. Who would have thought that that might have been a good idea? Who who saw this coming? Yeah, 
Oh. I mean, just imagine that they've like brought up Bryce Terrain, too. He, he can hit, too, I heard. I, I like know. this Asteria anyway. Ruiz guy. In fact, I'm going to skip two chapters ahead here and say, when they put the postseason roster together, Asteria Ruiz should be on it. Pinch runner guy, defensive replacement, contact hitter. I want him on the postseason roster. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about the postseason roster because I'm believing. Yeah, well, well, it's going to be poetic justice, right, when uh, they leapfrog the Padres and Josh Hader for the last uh, wild card spot. So that's what I'm hoping for. I, I hope so, too. I hope so. Well, thank you. Look at us finding common ground as fans of rival teams. Hey, 2.30 p.m., New Mexico State versus Badgers. I'll be at the red zone. You better be there, Grant. Is that this this Saturday? No, no, that's uh, the third game of the year. I was going to so, say, what time? Well, the what will they play uh, FBS, so. Illinois State this What time is the game this weekend? It's a night game, 6 or 6.30. Why do they have hot take? Like, they should almost never have night games. Like, night games should be once a year, maybe. There's too many night games. I don't like it. Uh, Ebo and Rowdy are primed for the red zone, though. They were talking about it this morning. It's going to be a great night. So. Well, I, w- I would love to... Love to come hang out at the Red Zone. Unfortunately, I uh, I don't live there. I have plans on the cross. I have some friends coming to visit. So we're going to watch, but we're going to hole up at a, a Badger bar on this side of the state. I will be at the Red Zone at least once this year. I guarantee that. Hopefully more than once. All right. Sounds good, Grant. You have a good rest of your day. Take it easy and uh, keep working on that stash, man. <laughs> you as well. That's Matt in Cross Plains. You have a great day, too. Thank you, Matt, for the call. That's how I uh, operate on the show, by the way. I talk to callers until they want to hang up. Normally, it's the other way around. Not on this show. I I force callers to stay on longer than they want to the point where they hang up on me. Let's take a break. We're going to talk to J.R. Radcliffe. He writes for the Journal Sentinel, covers the Brewers, does some podcasting, but he's also the trending sports reporter. So he's just hip and cool. There's a bunch of funny stories with the Brewer game last night and just some interesting stories with the Brewers that aren't directly like concretely related to baseball. And I think he's the perfect guy today. So I'm excited to bring him on. New guest. Let's make a good impression. He joins us coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. It's Packers cut down day. NFL rosters got to get down to 53. The Packers haven't put out their official roster yet. Now, we have some news about who's been cut, and who's, but it's scattered between all the different beat reporters, and I, I kind of have a list, but you know, for those of you who are texting and tweeting about specific guys, hey, Mike Clements is going to be here in an hour. We're just going to ask him, okay? <laughs> is that cool? Can we just lean on him? Can we use him today? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure the situation with some of these position groups and some of these guys, but I'm not 100% sure. And in the interest of being uh, accurate, because this is a, a show with journalistic integrity, Despite what uh, some of our guests might say, Zach, mostly, uh, I want to be I want to be right. I don't want to give you wrong info. So Mike Clemens is going to be here in an hour. Right now we're talking Brewers. New guest to the show, new friend, J.R. Radcliffe of the Journal Sentinel. Now he covers the Brewers and he does some podcasting. Your Twitter bio also says you're the trending sports reporter. You probably get asked this from time to time. What exactly does that mean? Do you have a way to describe that? Uh, well. Yeah, I don't know. I've described it a few different ways, but yes, that is my official title. I uh, I kind of just, I guess I tell people I, I'm not an official beat reporter for any one team. I just kind of cover all of them and yeah. whatever whatever's between the beats, whatever doesn't uh, 
Mm. Doesn't happen that would typically go in a game story or typically go in a front page story. I just try to find the, find all that little in between stuff that people are talking about, and, and I write about that. I like that. So last night's Brewer game probably gave you a lot from an entertainment standpoint. Last night is about as good as it gets, right? Garrett Mitchell first career home run, Keston here walk off. Council, I still don't exactly understand what he was doing, signaling to Brent Suter. <laughs> I thought it was a Raptor, but then I saw it was something related to his car. We had a guy getting friend zoned on the jumbotron, which was incredible, and then some third base coach madness in the third inning. Last night's game was about as good as you'll get from an entertainment standpoint, right? Yep, you're absolutely right. I wrote about all of it except for the third base coach stuff, which I think actually kind of got kind of got forgotten yeah. under the weight of everything else. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's all me. We definitely wrote about Brett uh, the Brent Suter. Brent, whatever the bat signal is for Brent Suter, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's uh, in honor of his Tesla vehicle with the uh, with the doors that open sideways. Uh, that's what Craig Council was going for. And then uh, poor Mark, whoever you are, getting friend zoned in front of everybody else in the uh, <laughs> and pretty much the entire country because that thing that thing took off pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, that uh, the the message from. Uh, from uh, from an unnamed friend who simply uh, simply just didn't want to screw up the friendship they had. It was uh, it was quite a night, and uh, I mean the Brewers they they're, they're living dangerously. I mean it's it's really hard to get through a Brewers game that doesn't have some measure of drama for I, I guess for good or, or mostly for bad because they yeah. they don't pull away from anybody. They stay close. A lot of extra inning games. A lot of walk offs. That's just uh, that's just par for the course this year. I can't quit this team. I don't know what it is. They they, they actually have a lot of parallels to that 2020 team which felt kind of dead at times, and it felt like nobody on the roster was really inspiring, and they would beat the bad teams for the most part but lose to the good ones. There's a lot of parallels, but this team is just so much more entertaining, and I think it might be in a bad way. I think it might be like a, like I just keep coming back for punishment and disappointment, but whatever. I'm turning them on, and I'm enjoying these games. You talk about how they don't pull away from anyone. Why is it, and this is complete eye test. The stats might not back this up. Why is it that Corbin Burns will be pitching great up until the point the offense gets him a lead? And then he starts giving up runs. Like, I can't be the only one who sees this, right? He got a three-run lead last night, and he didn't know what to do with it. And I knew it at home. I was like, okay, here we go. Up 3 nothing. This is where Burns is going to struggle. I feel like it happens every time. Yeah, I think Burns is reverting a little bit back to some of the issues he had. Not not 2019. I mean, the thing in 2019 that made it such a struggle is that the, the dude just gave up home runs left and right. And he's given yeah. up a lot this year. And uh, he had gotten that completely under control certainly last year and and in 2022 and he was really kind of pushing for the Cy Young award that year as well. So this is a little bit of a, I don't know if that's regression. I don't know if it's just reverting a little bit or something's got to get cleaned up. He's, He's not quite the guy he was last year. So that's, I guess a little alarming, but also just probably indicative of the ebbs and flows of a, of a guy's career. I mean, you know, it's all about adjusting and, you know, adjusting back when, when somebody figures you out a little bit. And I'm sure they'll be working on this. He's still, he is still their best chance to win, or at least, you know, one of three or four really good chances to win every night when, um, as a starting pitcher, he's still a quality, quality option. So I'm not, uh, I'm, I guess I wouldn't be panicking about it yet. He's still, for the most part, been really, really good this year. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. A lot of a lot of home runs, a lot of big innings. That uh, <laughs> then the offense doesn't add on, so there's that piece of it as well. But uh, I'm seeing what you're seeing. Well, and there's there's also games where he just isn't given any offense. So to be fair to Burns, it's not like the offense is always giving him support and he's always throwing it away. But it it does seem the offense will have a big inning, and then Burns will give up the big inning almost an inning or two later without fail. We're talking to J.R. Radcliffe, Journal Sentinel covers the Brewers. He covers everyone. His stories, his podcasts are great. What's up with Yelich? It seems like he's just hitting the crap out of the ball right now. And I know your buddy and, and another friend of show, Kurt Hogue, was posting exit velocities last night. But you can almost just see it when you're watching. He's just hitting the ball harder. Is it 
a random three or four days, or is there something that that we got cooking there? Well, I mean, I'm, we would love to we would love to be able to say it's not just a random three or four days, but we have been down this road before. You know, yeah. there have been times this season, even in previous seasons, the, the last couple when it's been a, a season long struggle where he has seemingly gotten comfortable, gotten into a groove, and man, is he on one right now? The last three games, everything has been rocketed off his bat. Seems to be hitting to all fields. Seems to be getting the ball off the ground a lot more, which is you know kind of his gi- giant bugaboo in his career is just too many ground balls, and uh, he seems to have flip the switch for a little bit but like i said we we've just seen it too many times now we can't we we just can't say wow he's turning a corner because we (laughs) then he'll go over 26 you know so um if we can but but you know what i mean you see stretches like this and you you say to yourself like that's i see the guy that he was in 2018 and 2019 like you could see it's still in there and and you know gives you hope that what what if he does go on a run here through September and into October. I mean, then suddenly this offense, which has struggled all year long, is an offense that's, you know, slightly above average and then also has a masher who's batting at the top of the lineup and crushing the ball all over the field. I mean, now they're a legitimate threat to do whatever, you know, like they, they could easily get, get into the playoffs and, and do well in the playoffs. That's, that's a major, major ingredient. So, um, easy, easy to, to want to believe in it. And you know what? It, three, four, five more games of it. You, you have to at least put that on the table as a, as a very, Strong possibility that he's that he's discovered something. Brilliant move by Council to put him back in the three spot, only to move him back to leadoff to recreate the bump that he got when he was first moved to the leadoff <laughs> spot. I guess that's a card he can just keep playing if he wants. Uh, that's what uh, my coworker Ben Kenny tweeted last night, and I thought that was funny. But there's probably some truth to it. I, I don't know. Maybe you just need to keep moving him around, or, or maybe it's just a you know, and maybe it's just luck. It's just circumstance. Baseball's really fluky, so we get that. Talking with J.R. Radcliffe, like I said, I'm interested by this Brewers team, even when they're not winning. For whatever reason, I'm entertained by them. Another thing that I'm really interested in, and I'm just fascinated, Josh Hader getting to San Diego and becoming unpitchable. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. Have you seen anything like this? I think it's the wildest story in sports that no one is really talking about because it's baseball and it's regional, but this is insane. Yeah, I I, I am sure there are examples that I could think of, but almost all of them relate to a couple things that I don't think are applicable here. One is injury. Somebody just has an ailment. They're not revealing it. And it just, it just goes off a cliff for them. And and another is like a mental hangup or something. You know, you got the Rick and Keel, Steve Sachs, Chuck Knobloch stories that, that occasionally pop up Mackie Sasser over time where, where somebody just mentally can't do it. That's not it. Like it's, it's, It'd be one thing if he couldn't locate it. He was just throwing balls all over the place, and you think, well, maybe there's some mental block now. He can't throw strikes. But the guy's getting hit, too. You know, it is it is more walks than usual, but also pitches that are just getting drilled. And yeah. I know there's been a pretty good analytical deep dive into the way his rotation is and, and the various angles, and there has been sort of a deterioration over time. And, you know, I, I believe all that. That makes sense to me. But you don't you don't go from – I've got 25 saves and have given up two runs through the first couple months of the season to, like you said, completely unpitchable. Like, when are they even going to be able to use him at this point? I don't know. It's been just so cosmically bad. I don't, I don't know. I know a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of people want to talk about his kid getting born. I have a real problem with that. I just don't, that just doesn't make sense to me. There is, that happens to baseball players every year. And, you know, Josh Hader's a very mentally tough individual. And I just, I just don't buy that there is, one good explanation for this, but 
at the same time, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm open to, to, to any interpretation because, yes, this is definitely beyond what I, I, I'm sure even the Brewers or anyone else could have possibly expected. When trying to decide who won this trade, Brewers or Padres, at least in 2022, I keep thinking of this quote by Dwight Schrute when he was asked about Jim and Pam becoming a couple. This is the quote. I don't see it. I think they both could do better. I like, I, I still, I, I don't really know. And Gasser, I guess, was promoted again. So in the future, if the Brewers get another starting arm that they can develop and, and use and keep kind of feeding this rotation as guys assumedly will leave because they come expensive, that's great. But this year, I, I don't know. This is a wash. This sucks for both teams, assuming they don't call up Hysteria Ruiz at some point. And to me, the fact that they called up Garrett Mitchell kind of, they, they kind of made their choice. Maybe Ruiz is, is waiting in the wings. Do you know about any other potential call-ups real quickly, or is it Garrett Mitchell, and and this is probably going to be it? Yeah, I would think they're going to add a pitcher, which could be any number of guys that we maybe have already seen, or, or I, I wouldn't get too excited about that necessarily. Yeah. And then I don't know who that last position guy is going to be. You know, I'm sure they were here thinking Trevor Rosenthal would be the pitcher, so that's obviously not going to happen anymore. And and <laughs> right. it might be Ruiz. I mean, I could Ruiz already on the 40 man, a guy who can fly. You could throw him in as a pinch runner. I mean, this is the time of year to add those kinds of guys and, and get his feet wet with the team. He's been in the big leagues briefly before, but get him, but you know, like get him some experience with the Brewers specifically. Like I could see that making sense, but. I don't know. There is some mystery to uh, to the roster expansion and and who exactly. I mean, Garrett Mitchell was a was a stunner for me. Like, if, if they were going to call up a center fielder, I would have thought it'd be Sal Freelich, who was really truly dominating. They they ultimately went with the guy who is, is is about a year and a half older and then had just a little bit more experience too and and had been playing at center in center field at Nashville. So looking back, it kind of makes sense. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't fully know what they're going to do, but that 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 national sounds team with with Gasser getting promoted, they got a lot of guys on that team that I think are going to play some. They're definitely going to get opportunities in 2023 at least. You know, you got Felix, you got Joey Weimer, Ethan Small is still there, Mario Feliciano is still there. Um, got a, a pitcher named Cam Robinson who I think is going to get a long look in the bullpen. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue on that team, and um, it's kind of getting fun again the way it was when like Fielder and, and Corey Hart and Hardy and, and those guys were filtering up. It's kind of feeling that way again. Maybe not that level of talent, but still that like concentration of talent yeah. where they could they could suddenly have a lot of options going forward. Bunch of guys at the same time. Yeah, before I had you on, I posed the question on whether or not Asteria Ruiz would be on the postseason roster. Uh, so that's that's a topic that I, I brought up today without really thinking about it, um, but I'm going to try to speak that into, uh, into existence. Pinch runner, defensive replacement, I don't know. I want to speak this Brewers team into the postseason. Really quick before I let you go, what do you think about the Brewers gift that they uh, gave to fans. So $6 tickets, $6 concession voucher. <laughs> a lot of fans kind of poo-pooed it. I, I don't know. What, what would you think it was going to be? You know what I mean? Do you think they were going to give every fan a car? Like, that, it wasn't going to be something insane. I, I don't know. The idea that you're getting, like, seven-eighths of a bottle of water at a concession stand is kind of funny to me. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo what I saw a lot. I think it would have been it would have been fine if they hadn't maybe hyped it a little bit or gotten yes. people excited about some yes. major thing coming, that, that seems a little bit miscalculated to me, given given where they are with attendance this year, given how people are down on this team. I'm not sure people thought when they were talking about some some cool gift, if $6 seats with $6 worth of concession per ticket for weekday games and two segments of the stadium, you know, 10, 10 games that fit the bill left. That feels that feels like the type of thing they do every year. I mean, you can get really good discounted tickets to sit much better in much better seats. Like tickets are not expensive. No, not now, not not normally, and not on the secondary market right now. So, um, I bet you any money I could get in for six dollars. 
to, or, or, or a little more to account for the extra six and sit in really nice seats for a September midweek game. So um, I think the miscalculation was in how they packaged it. Not, not the gift itself. It's fine. It's, it's, it's cool. These types of things happen late in the year, and that's, that's fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. The, the Brewers haven't had the best year. <laughs> the, the hyping it up. The, you weren't going to win. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got people's mind racing and thinking about possibilities. You were never going to make $6.00. Uh, ticket and six dollar concessions. You were never going to make that sound awesome by hyping it up for a couple of weeks. So I'm I'm definitely with you. Just you know a free yeah. item. Maybe maybe do it holistically. Like not six bucks. You can get a free item, a free beverage, a free, just a free something. You get one thing Th- that even has a better ring. But whatever. I don't work in marketing, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Yeah, the, do- the dollar amounts are very random. Six dollars for both the ticket and the concession. It almost sounds like this, that was the price point they could make work with their books. Like yeah. it's just sort of a strange <laughs> thing. I I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know anybody in the marketing department, and I'm sure they do the best they can. I don't like you said. I don't know what else they really could have provided. Yeah. You know, they have this product. They're trying to get people to the stands. They're trying to make it cheap for people. I, I think that's all commendable. It's just maybe I was led to believe it'd be something a little more exotic. Yeah, it's not like they were giving away cars or, or bats or anything like that. But to hype it up, maybe a miscalculation. All right, I've kept you too long. I'm sorry, J.R. Radcliffe, Journal Sentinel. Anytime you're willing to come back and talk Brewers or whatever's going on, I'd love to have you. Thanks for the time. All right, man. Sounds great. We'll do it anytime. I appreciate that. JR, JR Radcliffe, Journal Sentinel. Find him on Twitter. I want to make sure I have his handle correct. Yep, just JR Radcliffe. Easy to find. Let's take a break. Three minutes. We'll come back. Revisit some of those things. We don't need to dwell on the Brewers too much. We spent about a half hour on them. A lot of Packers stuff to get to today as well. Roster cuts and some other NFL things. This Jimmy G story. The more I think about it, the more I read about it, the wilder it gets. I think we underestimated how wild of a story this was yesterday. And that's not me. Right, I, I did a poor job, I think, contextualizing the Jimmy G story yesterday. So I'm back. We're going to do it better today. Talk about Packers cuts. We're going to talk with Mike Clements as well. A lot more to come on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I messed up, and I realized in the middle of that commercial break, I forgot to move my car, and there's a good chance, unless divine intervention takes over, there's a good chance that I have a parking ticket on my windshield when I leave work. Uh, That's on me. I gotta be better, but I mean, what do you want me to do? If there's any law enforcement officers listening to this, thank you for your service, first of all. What do you want me to do? I'm in the studio studying for the show. I'm prepping away. My mind doesn't have time to wander. I got to go move my car to the other side of the street or, you know, God forbid. I don't don't even know. It's a quiet street. Why do I need to move it? Was it going to snow? A snowplow is going to be needed? Damn it. Ten bucks. Didn't light that on fire. Good job, Grant. Well done today. We thank J.R. Radcliffe at the Journal Sentinel. Everyone go follow him on Twitter. Spam him. Go find him at J.R. Radcliffe. Follow, follow, follow. Good Brewers tweets. Always a, a man with a good pop culture reference. And I think during Brewer games, sometimes that's what we need. That's what I strive to provide with my Twitter account, at Wisco Grant. Everyone's watching the game. There's 162 of these things. But, you know, who can... Look at a moment in a Brewer game and say, hey, I, I know the joke to make here. I know the gift to use. I know the funny reference to make. JR is a magician with that stuff. So if you're watching every Brewer game by yourself like a loser, like I do every night, and you look to find friendship and camaraderie on Twitter with other Brewers fans, JR is a must follow. 
Go spam his Twitter. Make him feel like a part of this community. At J.R. Radcliffe on Twitter. couple of texts to get to here. One on the Packers. I'm going to wait on that one, Richie. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. Rainman Mike. What I've noticed with Yelich lately is that he's stepping into the ball. Ever since that injury, he's been pulling out that front foot, looking like he's scared to foul one off his kneecap, as would anyone. If he continues to steal, or if he continues the steal, the crew will make the playoffs because remember, back-to-back MVP years, uh, the bats followed what he did. It's a glimmer of hope, but he's bringing my faith back. Baseball is king. You know what, Rain Man Mike? I love baseball, and I don't care how many games his team is going to lose. They're not done until they're mathematically eliminated. And even once they're mathematically eliminated, I'm probably going to keep watching for the vibes anyways. Probably. I cannot quit this team. St. Paul Schmidt was tweeting at me earlier in the game. I don't know what it is. I love this team. I might love this team more than last year's team, which is insane because last year's team ran away with this division. I'm kind of hoping the Cardinals run away with this division and in doing so, take their foot off the gas a little bit. And then the Brewers... They're going down to the wire. They're gunning. They're trying to earn a playoff spot. They're playing playoff baseball for weeks. And then they get into the playoffs. They're ready to go. The Cardinals caught flat-footed. Oh, no, what is this? Brewers knock them out. That's how I'm visualizing it. That's how I'm painting that picture in my mind. I'm going to try to speak that into existence. Uh, Rock and Rick said, curls for the girls. Uh, I, I was doing I, I was, I was doing curls for the girls. Uh, quoting Ebo. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching it the Y last night. I forgot what that reference was for a second. Sorry about that. Thank you for the texts. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Let's talk Packers when we come back. It's cut day. So we got a lot of different names to talk about. Danny Etling, rest in peace. Uh, Jawan Winfrey. Jawan Winfrey, I'm just going to miss just for the jokes and the references. Like, he was nice to have around. But I love Samari Toure, and I'm excited about him. I think they're both long shots, Winfrey and Toure. But I think Toure potentially has a higher payout. So if you're making long shot bets, you might as well make a big long shot bet. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean by that? You might as well take the long shot that pays better because it's a long shot already. Jawan Winfrey's probably not going to be a contributor. Neither is Toure, but maybe. And I think Toure's ceiling is a little bit higher at this stage in his career. Jack Heflin's gone. A lot of Packers fans were bummed out by that. We'll talk about D-line. Talk about running back as well because I think we might have called our shot with the running back position. We'll talk about all that coming up next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Swing and fly ball left field. Back, Sawinski. It's gone! Justin Hero walks it off. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Thank you, Zach Heilprin, as always, for that outstanding update. By the way, don't forget, Zach Heilprin and his cohort, Ben Kenny. Kenny and Heilprin tonight, now going to two nights a week. They're going to be on 6 to 7 tonight and starting on Thursday... 5 to 6 p.m. And they're going to be doing a live show out meeting with their millions of fans, thousands of fans. I'm not sure how how many we're getting there with a lot of fans. They're going to be at Monks in Sun Prairie starting on Thursday from 5 to 6. But 6 to 7 tonight, immediately following this show, I would imagine they're going to theorize and discuss who the new number two quarterback is after uh, after uh I know his name. It'll just take me a sec. Chase Wolf. Yeah, don't doubt me. I know my I know my Badger players. Chase Wolf went down with an injury. So now it's Graham Mertz, Deacon Hill, 
And I bet Ben and Zach will be putting the pieces together and getting ready for the Badgers opener on Saturday. Kenny and Heil for now two nights a week coming up at six o'clock right after this show. Look forward to that as always. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens will join us at 530. So we're getting some texts and some tweets. And like, for example, here's a tweet at Wisco Grant from Richie in Eau Claire. He says, waiver wire pickup at safety. Tease Tabor, uh, Taj Gibson, not Taj Gibson. I know who you mean, though. And Henry Black, thoughts? Uh, see, Richie, this is why we have Zach. <laughs> I will I will forward this directly to Zach. I get a text here about some of the the offensive linemen and who they kept and who they didn't. Again, going right to Zach. Daryl says Packers cuts based on moves on draft picks over free agents. Ford over Heflin and Chris Slayton is an example. Turi over Winfrey. Of course, yeah. Goody wants to keep the guys that he drafted or the guys that were taken in the draft versus undrafted free agents. Absolutely. So all of these topics, we'll get into the specifics, talk specific positions and the thought process behind cut down day-to-day for the Packers and Brian Gutekunst. Mike Clements will join us at 535. Our ringer, our guy who's in Green Bay, ear to the ground, boots on the ground, all over the scene. We'll talk to him in a bit. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text. If you want to tweet me, I'm on Twitter. At Wisco Grant, Andrew Wagner cannot stop harassing me on Twitter, and I don't really understand why. Um, I just think he hates wittiness. I think that that can only be the answer. He's just getting after me on Andrew. Calm, calm yourself. Calm down. I'm Mr. Beating the drum for the Brewers right now. I'm the one guy I was talking about the postseason roster about an hour ago. Get off my case. So if you want to be like Andrew Wagner, tweet at me at Wisco Grant. First name I saw this morning that the Packers let loose. And there was a reaction from Packers fandom. Danny Etling. Millions of Packers fans cried out all over the state in despair. We just got a lot of texts and calls and tweets about how he should be the number two guy. And I don't like to be dismissive. We got a call a couple weeks ago. I think it might have been to Marcus, not to put him on the spot. And he said the Packers should trade multiple first rounders for Tyler Huntley is the backup. It's like, wait, wait a minute. First of all, I, I pray and I hope that it wouldn't take multiple first rounders. But also, like, we got Jordan Love. Jordan Love is a good backup, everyone. He's a really good backup. The Vikings just cut Kellen Mond, who they took, what, second, third round two years ago? And they traded a pick for Nick Mullins. For, yeah, that guy. Southern Miss, right, I think? The Vikings are trying to find a backup. All these teams are, are, are scrambling for competent backups. The Badgers are going to be scrambling for a competent backup. We have a competent backup, Jordan Love. He might not be amazing. He's not good enough to supplant Aaron Rodgers right now, but he's good. Why are we always trying to make something out of Danny Etling, for example, or trying to make something out of Tim Boyle, Scott Tolzien. I remember Mike McCarthy's iconic moment where he said, I got three years invested in Brett Hundley. I got three years invested in Joe Callahan. I like my quarterback room just the way that it is. And Packers fans are like, yeah, damn right. In fact, when Aaron Rodgers gets healthy, we might be able to trade him because Brett Hundley is going to be a star. We talk ourselves into all these guys. We're just trying to talk ourselves into Danny Etling. Why, why, are, we, why are we doing Danny Etling for all the guys? Jordan Love's good for a backup. He's not a superstar, and I I don't think that the Packers are winning the division starting Jordan Love. I know a lot of Packers fans and Packers people throwing that around. I don't think he's that good, but, guys, he's he's a pretty solid backup. Like, we could do a lot worse than Jordan Love. So Danny Etling was released. We could talk about Juwan Winfrey. Uh, And I know Ryan in Onalaska is giving us a call. And, Ryan, you texted me earlier. You were upset about some of the cuts that they made. Ryan in Onalaska, welcome to the show. What's up? (laughs) 
Hey, Grant, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm just trying to make sure I don't say anything incorrect about these cuts because I'm getting these names confused, and there's a TJ Slayton and a Chris Slayton, and that worries me. So I'm, not, I'm trying not to sound dumb and uneducated about the Packers. There's a lot going on. Other than that, I'm fantastic. Well, thankfully, at least with as it, as it pertains to TJ and Chris Slayton, Chris Slayton has a Y in his name, and TJ doesn't. Um so there is that stipulation, but um, I suppose. Yeah, I mentioned this to you. Uh, Tyler Goodson should not have been cut. He's gone. I, I just I don't see how he's going to make it through waiver claims. If he does, I will be supremely shocked. Well, here's the thing: if if Goodson makes it through waiver claims, are we celebrating? Why would we celebrate him getting on the practice squad? Like I like him; he's fine. But if he makes it through waivers onto the practice squad, that means no other team in the league wanted him. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't want to get bent out of shape about the third string running back. Like, if he didn't have that run against Kansas City the other night, I don't know if we'd talk about him or think about him very much. Yeah, um, I know you're not much of a tape guy. Um, <laughs> but if you, wow. if you remember ever, if you did, well, I know this, I know this to be true. Uh, you clearly haven't seen much of his Iowa tape or at least didn't start obsessing over it like my some of my other buddies and I did for a while. It's like, oh, my God. we I was thinking, oh, this guy's a fourth-round pick. He goes undrafted. Oh, he's, he's a Packer? What? That's incredible. Yeah, but we, we, like, got, we got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Like, we, I like the running backs we have, and I like Kylan Hill, too, and I think Mario Rogers. I think he's your running back number three right now. I remember you started talking about that a little bit yesterday, and I thought that is that is intriguing. If yeah. he could be Ty two point oh, oh yeah, smaller than Ty Montgomery was, but uh, I mean, I wouldn't say no to a twenty sixteen Ty Montgomery coming through him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Amari Rogers has that uh, one cut and that vision ability. Uh, I. I remember Amari Rogers at Clemson being such a good, like, deep middle-of-the-field threat. They need to be using him that way. He showed that a little bit. That Kansas City game, he made one catch where Jordan Love threw it into a window in traffic, and Amari Rogers kind of came back to the ball and went and got it. That was, I loved seeing that, because he's not exactly, he's not tall, right? He's he's built like a brick house, but he's not long and lanky. He's probably not going to be a guy who goes up to high point the ball, but if he can be strong in traffic, almost like, I don't know. Is it is it wrong to think of him like in that Donald Driver role? I don't know if they physically compare at all, but just getting tough, nasty catches over the middle and then maybe fighting through some contact. If you can do that and then use him in some sweet plays and use him in pre-snap motion, you don't have to use him like the Packers use Ty Montgomery as a running back, but just use him in in kind of that scat back. Darren Sproles, great comp. What about a Darren Sproles role out of the backfield here? Yeah. I like that. That that wouldn't be a bad uh, that wouldn't be a bad comparison to have. I uh, I got to tell you though, I, I started seeing some stuff pop up on uh, certain uh, articles online in in Google searches surrounding the Packers. That I don't know where it's coming from. It's probably not anything, but I I couldn't help myself after seeing it. I started picturing Darren Waller in the offense because I was like, uh that would be so exciting. He is such a unique weapon, and I can only imagine how much fun Rodgers and Lafleur would have just him being a 
complete mismatch in the middle of the field. Well, we have Tyler Davis. What are you talking about? We already have, we have Darren Waller. His name is Tyler <laughs> Davis. What are, you, what are you talking about? Uh, the only place Tyler Davis can go from this preseason is up. That's fair. Keep expectations low and you'll never be disappointed. Ryan, I got to let you go. We got some other callers, but I appreciate the call. It was nice to chat Packers with you. Yeah, talk soon, man. Yeah, talk to you soon. That is our friend Ryan in Onalaska. Yeah, I like Goodson is fine. I think there's a good set on every team. I don't mean to poo-poo all these guys because I get that the preseason is about these undrafted guys getting a chance and these seventh-rounders getting a chance. And then when they succeed and they don't make the team, it's really easy to be, well, he was undrafted for a reason and it was a long shot. All that, Like, you know, nobody likes that guy. I don't mean to rain on the parade and, and kind of bring down the mood of what the actual preseason and what this time of year is about. But I, I don't know. I like A.J. Dillon a lot and I like Aaron Jones a lot. And Amari Rogers in a running back kind of hybrid role fascinates me. And I really like Kylan Hill. I don't know where we're at with Kylan Hill. Obviously, starting there on the putt. But I, I, I don't know. I'm not pulling my hair out over third string running back. Uh, now, Danny Etling getting caught. That, that's, I mean, that's, that's a capital offense. You get a text here from Dan in Broadhead. He says, can Jordan Love run for 50 yards plus on a third string defense? I haven't seen it, Dan. We, we have no evidence th- that would say that he can. I think you, I think you make a great point. Jordan Love cannot run for 50 yards plus on a third string defense. And really that's what the fans want. That's what the team needs. <laughs> Vagabond John 608-796-2558. What's going on? If we're looking for a Margie, Amari Rogers hopeful comps kind of going into the season, you know, third, fourth round pick, uh excellent receiving in college, potentially turning to a running back. You know, let's just stick Wisconsin and go James White, right? Let's I love it. We, Yep. Can he be that third down, you know, receiving back? But my question is, Aaron Jones is one of the best receiving backs in the league. So, again, people who are, you know, we have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And for people to even mention Tyler Goodson as like a, oh, man, it's like, what were the Packers bad at? Grant, what is a question for you? What, were the, what was the worst thing about the Packers team as a whole last year? Well, uh, uh, last year, I mean, probably special teams. Uh, special teams. Yes, there you go. These guys that are, like, talking about the last caller, he's like, oh, you're not watching the tape. You you see how he hits the hole? No one gives a crap about how Tyler Goodson Whoa. hits the hole. Can he tackle in open space? That's true. That is literally the only thing that matters for our practice squad players. That is the only thing that matters anybody who's going to be third string on the depth chart by the way, at any position outside of the offensive-defensive line, right? But you can even throw in those guys. Hey, third-string offensive linemen, can you prevent a blocked punt, yeah. you know, in a playoff game when you're up by four, whatever it was? Or, right? or I'll, gotta, I'll do you one better, Vagabond John. Can you be on the field when you're supposed to be on the field? Can you ensure that there's 11 guys and not 10 or 12 for a punt? If you could do that, you can play for me. When we're analyzing the next couple of days and all these roster moves that will be made and people are on practice squad, it, for a caller to show up and try to, you know, insinuate, oh, you're not a real football guy. You don't watch film. <laughs> well, and then he talks about the offensive prowess of a number three running back. Dude, shut up. It's all about special teams. And that should be. And Packer fans, you know, quite frankly, should know that. And I'm on the blogs, and I'm a, I'm a little angry today, as you can probably tell. But everybody's talking about, What's the fantasy football value upside of, yeah. you know, uh, a Tyler Goodson or these other guys that are getting cut around the league? They're getting cut because they're not willing to stick their neck out on special teams. 
That's it. I'm not saying specifically that Tyler Goodson's bad. That's really hard for for us to evaluate in limited reps in a preseason game. All of that stuff is figured out behind closed doors in practice. And I think that's the lens that we should be viewing all of the moves that the Packers make. Is it going to help special teams? Because we didn't see any of our starters really get action. We haven't seen Aaron Jones score a touchdown in how long. We're going to forget about Tyler Goodson real fast. So, anyways, that's my mini caller rant. I wasn't even planning on calling in, but I heard that. Caller wars. I appreciate that. Are you concerned about the backup quarterback job at Wisconsin? That was all the buzz on the morning show this morning. I, I felt like I didn't have much to add when I talked to them at 7.40, so... It's just the, the quarterback. I mean, we're, we're shooting for what eight wins in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So, <laughs> does the quarterback affect that? No, my expectations. So, I have you know a small amount of hope that if Graham Mertz has a breakout year, we could potentially find ourselves in Indianapolis uh, to get curb stomped by Ohio State for the second time this year. <laughs> Great. Uh, if Graham Mertz goes down and we have to go to Deacon Hill, then we get a snapshot of what. The future looks like potentially you get Miles Verquette from uh, you know a local product out of the Milwaukee area mixing it up. That guy's kind of electric on the field. So, am I concerned about it? No, because if we're going to our third string QB, uh, I don't really think there's going to be much of a difference between Chase Wolf and you know what does the offense look like with Chase Wolf? What does the offense look like with Deacon Hill? Sure. The answer is. We're going to lose by 30 points to Ohio State. None of it matters. Um, I'm in a bad, Grant, I'm in a bad mood. I don't know if it's just the middle of the That's week. Okay. Uh, That's okay. But I, I had a pretty disappointing fantasy football draft just now. So oh. I'm a little like pissed. I'm, it was a 14 team. And no one, no one, no one cares about your fantasy. 14, 14 team has got to be brutal, though. You a, That's got to be brutal. 14 and they gave us a 30 second pick clock. <laughs> how, much time, guys, how much time do you need? Do you need two minutes? I, 45 to 60 seconds no. is, is good for me. Uh, even 45 is better because then you can at least look at, like, the cue that you put up. And it was I had a work call going on kind of at the same time. 30 is fine, I think, if you're uh, in a 14-team league, if you're a nerd and you have nothing else going on. But if you schedule it before 5 p.m. on a work day, it's just like, dude, this is – it was a battle, but, hey, we got through it. And I, and I know no one – now listening cares, but yeah. shut up about Tyler Goodson, all right? That's my message. <laughs> I pray. Thanks for the call, Vagabond John. Feel better. I hope your, <laughs> yeah, your evening later. is better than your day. Yeah, that is our friend in Madison, Vagabond John. Caller Wars. We got Ryan who's grinded tape. Vagabond John says, screw the tape. I'm an eye test guy. Je- Jeremy and Scotty tweets in, shout out to Vagabond John. Can you tackle and block? No, GTFO. Yeah, uh, true to a degree for third string running back. I also think you dance with the devil a little bit when you only keep two running backs because if one gets hurt, now you're left with one guy at, at a position that takes a lot of beating. So it's a little bit of a gamble. But I think you use Amari Rodgers in that third role and hopefully Kylan Hill can come back sooner rather than later. And who knows? Maybe they're looking to pick up another guy. Maybe they're going to trade for Alexander Madison. We don't know any of these things. Wisco Sully texted, the effort to defend Amari Rodgers is starting to enter Graham Mertz territory. Whoa! Amari Rodgers has been in the NFL for one year. One year. And he was stuck behind Al Lazard and Randall Cobb, who we just had to get back on this team because Aaron Rodgers needs a buddy. I, look, Amari Rodgers is very disappointing last year, but let's not lump him in with Graham Mertz now. Come on, let's take it easy. Let's take a break. We'll talk Packers, 
couple more minutes. If you want to take a call, take a text, take a tweet, give me something. We'll chat for about five, six more minutes before we come back. And then we got to get to Mike Clements, who will give us the latest from Green Bay, quite literally, because that is where he spends most of his time. Mike Clements coming up. We'll talk more Packers roster cuts after this. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show. Mike Clemens coming up in about 10 minutes. Kenny and Heilprin coming up at 6 o'clock. And you're thinking, Grant, what? It's not Thursday. Yeah, they're going two days a week. Pretty sure it's all going to be Ben Kenny from 6A to 6P. He, he will he will swallow us all and take our airtime. 6A to 6P, it's all going to be Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin. They're going to talk about the Badgers backup quarterback situation, preview this Saturday's game, which is against Illinois State. I'm Illinois, Illinois State, I think. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I think they're going to preview the game. Listen to them; they're the experts, not me. Kenny and Heilprin coming up at six o'clock, and starting on Thursday, they're going to be five to six as well, and they're going to be live on the town at Monks in Sun Prairie. Maybe I'll swing by. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. We're talking about some of the Packers' cuts. Taking your calls. Ryan in Onalaska is going to miss Goodson. Just broken up that he's cut. Vagabond John did not take too kindly to that opinion. I'm not getting involved. Right? I, I will I will foster the conversation. I will take the calls, but I'm not not inserting myself. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Uh Schuler says, What's the Rogers stat line over under this year? Thirty three touchdowns, six interceptions, thirty eight hundred yards. You going over or under that? Well, you gave me three different numbers. Uh I'd have to look at his number. I I don't know. I I'm not a sports better, so I don't have these numbers contextualized perfectly in my brain. Six interceptions, man. Part of me hopes that Rodgers this year comes in with a little bit of a different approach. Not that I don't want him to have great numbers. I mean, hell, win a third MVP in a row. Go off. But I think Rodgers, after winning back-to-back MVPs, maybe he's going to come in and say, okay, numbers probably aren't going to be perfect this year. We got some new wide receivers got to work in. And maybe that leads to some more interceptions, a little more risk-taking, a little more experimentation. I I don't know. So to answer your question, I don't know. I think Rodgers is going to be very effective and the Packers offense is going to be very good. I don't know if that will be evident in statistics and I don't know if it'll be efficient and clean like it has been the last couple of years. Still think they're going to be good, but I don't know if the numbers will be eye-popping like they have been for the last years, especially for Rodgers. Eric on I-90, 608-796-2558. What's up, Eric? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am swell. I had plans after work tonight, and they were canceled. They fell through, so I'm coming down to the district to do a little fishing right after the show. I'm very excited. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. I know. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Uh, well, I, I only have so much time. So you I think don't I'm gonna have go. to be specific. Yeah. You don't I, have to be specific. I'm going I'm to fish my favorite river. I don't know what spot on it yet. I have a couple honey holes, but maybe I want to experiment, try some more new. I really like the Timber Cooley. Beautiful river, and it's out in the space, so I'll be able to feel the sun, and I like that because I'm inside all day, so probably the Timber Cooley. What you're talking about, Timber Cooley now, what we call that in the district is a crick. It's a crick. Timber crick. I call it the TC. That's right. The crick. Okay. I gotcha. I'm going to get to what I wanted to call about. I know that we're we're all just yearning for this football season to start, aren't mm-hmm. we? I, I certainly am. I mean, right? Because you guys are, you guys on sports radio are providing us what we're all just, we're, we're just want more of it. You're like, everybody wants all this 
information, but I feel now I'm getting to the point where I'm looking at this preseason and it's kind of like my grass. I want my grass to be in. I want a nice yard. Mm-hmm. I want. I want my grass to be nice. Of course. But but I don't want to watch it grow, and it's. <laughs> I don't want to sit and watch it grow every quarter. You know what I mean? It's, are, are you saying that you need you, to get you, to the season? You, you want to eat the sausage. You don't necessarily need to to see the process of the sausage being made. Is that what you're saying? And the, well, it's such a long process, too, right? I mean, it's you're telling like me. Like we've been just. Wait, and, and then we get in these conversations, you know, if I had wheels, I'd be a wagon, and, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just like Amari Rogers is going to be a running back. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know, but, and I don't care. I mean, Amari Rogers, the best thing that could happen for him, the best thing Randall Cobb could do for Amari Rogers is get out of the way. Sure, yeah. It's just... Just let him start. Let Amari Rogers start in the position he's supposed to be. I'll bet you ten bucks okay. that if they sit down by committee in Green Bay to do these cuts today, I'll bet you there's like they have five people. Who who would we cut? I'll bet you Randall Cobb is on everybody's list. But and then go to Kuntz has to go. Nope, we're not cutting him. Yeah, you can't cut him. Well, I brought that up yesterday. I said if you added Cole Beasley to this team. Would he be the best slot receiver today? Like, maybe Amari Rodgers pops this year, but not as of right now. And Randall Cobb is old. And I think Randall Cobb has some value to this team. But, like, you had Jarvis Landry or Cole Beasley. I think immediately they're your best slot receiver. I don't know if he does have that much value to the team. Um, you know, and it, we're, we're, we're up. We got our big boy pants on now. And guys get old, and it's, it's over for him. He's peaked. It's done. Um that's just my opinion on that guy. And Kellen Mond got cut. Yeah, what do you think about that? And, well, I've watched him intensely through the preseason, and, yeah, he should be cut. He should not be playing in the NFL. Zimmer was right. He should not. Give Zimmer his credit retroactively. When when the media asked him if he wanted to see Kellen Mond, he's like, no, I see him every day. I don't need to see more of him. He was right. He was right all along. He was he, he was 100% right. Zimmer was 100% right. Uh, but I think our punter, I think we still have P90X. And I think that he's going to be awesome, our punter. Uh, I think so too, Eric. I look forward to week one. We're going to come up with a bet uh, of some kind. Think about what a fun little bet would be to do Packers-Vikings week one. I'm sure, going to be in sure. your neck of the woods in the district this evening, and I, I will look out for you. I will be thinking of you. I appreciate the call. We'll keep it friendly. We'll keep the bet friendly. Okay, I, I, well, I should hope so. Right, right, right. Have a good, right. yeah, yeah. Have a good fishing trip. You know. Oh well, thank, thank you. Catch some. Thank you. I, I will, and I'll send you a picture because I have your number on the talk and text line, not on my cell phone, but on the on the work line. Thank you for the call, Eric on I ninety. <laughs> the grass analogy is not bad. I want my grass to look good, but I don't want to watch it grow. Well, I mean, that's what we do this time of year. We lose our minds arguing about Goodson, Tyler Goodson, and then in two weeks we never think about him again because it doesn't matter. Same with Jordan Love, really. We're breaking him down in the microscope, and in a couple of weeks we'll be thinking about the Bucks or the Vikings or whoever the Packers are playing. It's very bizarre. We, we treat some of these players like they're the most important thing in the world, and then we never think about them again. And that's just the nature of this time of year. So, Eric, I, I get you. you. You like your grass. You want your lawn to look good. You just don't want to watch the grass grow. I get it.
Let's take a break. We'll get Mike Clements on the horn. He'll join us to talk Packers coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. An hour ago, we talked to J.R. Radcliffe. We talked a lot of Brewers to start the show. I'm having fun with the Brewers right now. Plus, if we argue about Tyler Goodson and Jordan Love for two hours every night, I think we're all going to go nuts, as Eric on I-90 just said. So if you missed the Brewers talk and you want a little change of pace from the Packers, you missed that, it'll be in the podcast. I'll post that tonight after the show's done. Right now, we're chatting with Mike Clements, contributor to the show. He's always in Green Bay. He's got his ear to the ground. And today's cut down day, so I'm glad to have you here, Mike. It's been a busy day. I've been scrolling Twitter. I'm trying not to miss anything, so I can only guess how hard you've been working and how busy you've been. Yeah, you know, hey, Jared Radcliffe, I was just reading an article he posted earlier today regarding the Packers on, like, you know, guys like Joe Thomas, who ended up being a pretty good linebacker for Green Bay for a couple of years, and then down with the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, most significant is Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard was cut by the Packers. Yeah. And then, you know, a day or two later, added to their practice squad, and then there was injuries to Devontae Adams. And the next thing you know, you know, he's got like 35 catches over 400 yards reception and three touchdowns, you know, from a guy that got cut. So the message is to these players, you, you may have been cut, you know, the last week of August. Yeah. Doesn't mean that your story's over yet. You know, keep working out. Keep getting ready. So, and that was a good piece that JR put up today. And likewise... If you remain on the roster, it's not to say that you won't be cut tomorrow to make space for a guy who was cut by somebody else. So it's it's just such a brutal time for these guys. Because sometimes even when they think they make it past cut down, they, they end up getting released for somebody else. There could be a team that's deep at tight end. And and if it's kind of a surprise cut, um, then Gudikins is not going to waste a minute. If he's got some guy that just got released and he's on waivers, and his score in Tampa or Dallas or wherever it, you know the team is yeah. is better than the, the the two or three guys you know past Mercedes and Tunyon and uh, you know Josiah Deguara. Uh, he's going to pick him up and 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 put him on that practice squad or get him on the fifty three or whatever, and he's going to make that move. So um, so here's where I'm at right now, Grant. Yeah. It's like they needed twenty five guys, and from all the lists that I've put together here. I got 23, and this is either by uh, league sources telling the media, this is either by agents, this is either by players actually posting that stuff. And it's not until the team actually puts out their official email to us, memo, that I start like posting my thoughts, you know, or I go on record with it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I still think there's a, a guy or two out there. Now, actually... The team made submitted their their final reductions, their fifty three man roster earlier this afternoon, and the, and they even had like a, a walkthrough with the new fifty three, you know, kind of a gathering to say, okay, this is the start of our team yeah. for now. As yeah. you said, other guys are going to be on waivers, other guys could be brought back, and and there's other things that are going on, you know, like uh, one thing that Field the Eights reminded us of today was, you know, don't forget now if if you like Malik Taylor. Here's a guy that's been on the team for three years, got cut, um, 
actually, you know, an injury settlement. But it's like, okay, if they're looking at that shoulder in the second week of August on this guy who's been a special teams guy for you and a fifth or sixth wide receiver, and it's like, eh, this ain't going to be ready till October or something. And we we we, we got so much depth. We're listen. We're just going to settle up with you now. Take care of you, and or you make a decision. Boy, we got to have that player somewhere. If you put him though on IR before today, yeah, he's done for the year. That's true. But if you put him on IR tomorrow and somehow keep him on your 53, then if you put him on IR tomorrow, you can get him back in four weeks, like still under those sort of COVID rules to the CBA. So there's those kinds of decisions going on. But, you know, I think the biggest story today is wide receiver. So you moved on from, like I said, Malik Taylor, Mm -hmm. Devontae Adams traded to the Raiders, Marquez Valdez-Scaling to the Chiefs, Equinemia St. Brown, you decide, yeah, we don't need him. The Bears signed him. He's probably going to play in their opener against the 49ers because the Bears are so banged up at camp at wide receiver. So, well, here's where they kept. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and then the last two, and I I don't really know if I got confirmation on this. I'm assuming... That oh no, I think Amari Rogers did post something that he was grateful. Amari Rogers and Samori Torre, the seventh round pick, who just started to flash again those last ten days of camp, and he beat out Jawan Winfrey, who was released this morning. Yeah. So are you surprised? It's kind of a, two, a two-parter thing. I, I didn't think it was for sure that they were going to keep seven. Period. Were you surprised that they kept seven? And were you surprised that the seventh was Torre instead of Winfrey? Uh, no, not be- just because um, there was two periods in the last five weeks where Toure looked great, and he, and he, to me, a guy in terms of his speed, his hands, how he could uh, dip under safeties over the middle, might be better than Amari Rogers. And Jawan is a body type guy, and I reposted this today, uh, a note that I made. Um, while watching a practice about two weeks ago or so. It happened to be Jordan Love's turn to run two-minute offense. But he's lining up, and he's uh, trying to get the ball about 15 yards downfield and out of bounds to get closer, at least for field goal range. The scoreboard said that he was losing 16 to 14, and he had less than 50 seconds left. And this is in practice. So he uh, backs up, looks to his left, and looks right. And there's Winfrey, who's kind of a tall fast, number 88, sort of a MVS body type, yeah. running down the field. Rico Gafford's pretty pretty fast and following with him, and he throws the ball, and Winfrey makes this kind of awkward turn back and tries to reach around this shorter corner to catch the ball, goes incomplete. And now it becomes fourth down. So guess what? He lines up with Christian Watson, you know, the kid you traded up for. Yeah. Same play, six foot four, jump ball, First down and then some, and, and now you got two seconds left in the clock and an easy walk-off field goal. And it's, it's you know, essentially Christian Watson said, that's our tall, speedy guy, along with Lazard. We don't need Winfrey. Yeah. And they also got rid of this Ishmael Hyman, number five, so that means the Paul Horning number five jersey is safe again. <laughs> and Travis Fulgram, who they 
they kind of blinked on. They only, he was only in camp about 10 days a couple of years ago. Ended up having a really good year for a year there with Doug Peterson and the Eagles. Yeah. And spent some time with the Broncos. They brought him in as sort of a camp body, but they released him today. So, you know, yeah, I mean, the bottom of the list is Dubs, Dobbs, uh, Amari Rogers, and Samari Torrey, um, and, and to round out your seven wide receivers going into now putting together your practice squad. So let's talk about defensive line. And again, I know we're not 100% sure on, on all of these moves, and I don't think the Packers have put out anything about their 53. Some teams have, the Packers have not, at least not that I've seen. It seems they kept five. Am I reading that correctly? Because they let Slayton go and they let Heflin go. We're talking about uh, uh, which Slayton would it have been? Chris Slayton or TJ? There's two. <laughs> and I get him confused. TJ Slayton is the guy that they drafted. Yes. And, yep. you know, he's secure. Yep. But Chris Slayton was coming on. And, you know, and then there's even people that start saying crazy things like, well, maybe Devontae Wyatt, you know, the first round pick guy is not going to make it. No, ah, he's going to come on. He's yeah. going to make it. He's from Georgia. You know, it's a big program. So, um, no, so there was some there were some eyes that were open that maybe Chris Slayton was going to push somebody out. Uh, and, but at the end of the day, they did release him today. They could still probably make him practice squad. And Grant, you know, I don't like to do that thing where like, well, you know, if you're not sure and a guy gets released, oh, practice squad, practice yeah, squad. Yeah. Not necessarily. It's like you said at the top of this interview, um, they're looking at the other other guys that are on the street now. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Chris Layton may have had a nice camp, but uh, out of Syracuse, but maybe there's going to be two other older guys or veteran guys that got cut by a team. But when you got, you know, you got Lowry, you got Kenny. Um, I'm assuming Jonathan Ford got on the list today that he made the roster. That was a seventh round pick. Mm -hmm. But Jack Heflin got cut today. Yeah, he played in about four games last year. Really tough, you know, lunch pail, hardworking kid out of Iowa. At six three, and you know, you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. That defensive line—that's going to be one of the toughest places to cut because they are so in their prime. Yeah. Between Kenny Clark in his seventh year, Rashawn Gary, who could just be have a crazy good year entering his fourth season, they're real good up there. But they got Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed—they picked him up, the veteran. Yeah. He's six years in the NFL. Wyatt, uh, and then TJ, like you mentioned, so it's a deep group up there. Edge rusher is interesting to me. And I, I remember back in the draft, I thought, you know, Karloftis might be interesting if you can get another edge rusher to rotate in with Smith and Gary. That position is a little bit shallower. I've kicked around the idea that maybe you rotate a, just a little bit, a, a dash here and there of Quay Walker. You know, he's probably going to play all over the place. Maybe he rushes the passer a little bit. What do you think about how the edge rusher group came together? Obviously, that's a part of the defensive line, but a little bit more specific. Gary and Smith, but then what about the guys behind him? Because Zedarius is gone. Right, Jonathan Garvin has been a player that's been around. Like, what is that position maybe going to look like? At least, what, how does it look to you so far? Garvin's a guy that Goody was talking about in the spring when we said, you know, what are you going to do without Zadarius? Yeah. Oh, we got Jonathan Garvin. Um, you know that JJ and 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 Garb and and Barre. And Gabare. I, I just say it, say it fast. And say it fast so no one can tell. Five thirty today, <laughs> yeah. man. I've been Real up good. Five thirty. He really looked good the last couple of weeks. He really turned it on. He turned the key on. And so that's a guy that you're kind of excited to see what his progress is going to be as, a, as the fourth, maybe fifth, you know, inactive, in the, not active. But that's, that's, the, that's the guy 
that made them feel a whole lot better that they've got at least four edge rushers to go into week one with. I'm happy about that. Offensive line, the way the Packers handle this position is really interesting. They let Caleb Jones go, assumedly to keep Rasheed Walker. It looks like he won that battle. Packers like their offensive linemen. I think they kept maybe a few more than most people expected. Maybe that means they cut more from the defensive line. What do you think about the way they handled the offensive line today? They seem to have a lot of good young options. We've talked about the young starting offensive line with, you know, like Josh Diamond and Royce Newman attack, right tackle and all that. And the fact is you've got these two, you know, huge players and Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari you've activated in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, they're not 100% yet. So, uh, but the thing is, Caleb Jones and uh, then Rasheed Walker, they really came on, and Walker... He's just huge. He's like six eight, six nine, but you know he's had a history of some injuries, and sometimes you wonder if he takes off. Uh, but he he came on in the last couple of weeks of camp, and that when he, when he turns it on, it's like nobody can beat him. And so he won out that battle today, and Jones got released. But there were some people that thought, you know, if they did something like fewer tight ends or they get rid of both running backs because because Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are still question marks. You know, I mean, they're, 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 they hope to be able to play them sometime, but it's not 100%, right? The yeah. Bakhtiari knee, we don't know for sure. And so that's why people are saying, you know, so some of these guys they've got on offensive line, they're all good. at that. They're turning out to be tough cuts to make. You can see where they could be growth. You can see where they could be where you're like, Yash Nyman was a couple of years ago, like, Big kid got a lot of potential, and now he's got some game experience. It's like, yeah, you feel better about that. So Jones is the one that they, you know, they ended up uh, making kind of a surprise decision to yeah. let him go. There's a couple other offensive linemen that they cut today that were no surprise, but yeah, that was it. You know, somebody said to me, "What do you think are the big surprise moves?" And I go, "Well, you know, unless they cut um, Mercedes Lewis or Randall Cobb, yeah, and let some of these younger guys in." I mean, when you think of it, Zadarius Smith. You know, uh, Devontae Adams obviously traded. Yeah. Um, you know, Lucas Patrick and, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, the big decisions were made in March. Good really. point. Yeah. So by the time that you got to camp, it's like, you know, are we going to keep Malik Taylor or Larry yeah. Rogers? Yeah. Who, who's know? the sixth wide receiver going to be? And I said that at four o'clock when I started the show. I, I don't really know that there was a name that was a candidate for a surprise cut. Like I remember when Mark Daniels or uh, Mike Daniels was released. And I remember when Josh Sitton was cut coming into the seat. Those are surprise cuts. I mean, Patrick Taylor, I, that's a little different level. I, we had a Patrick Taylor fan call in earlier. It was bummed that he's gone. Let me ask you really quickly about running back. They only kept two. I've been kicking around the idea since Friday that maybe Amari Rogers could kind of dabble a little bit in some running back type stuff to help supplement that position. Were you surprised they only kept two true running backs on the roster in Jones and Dylan? Uh, Patrick Taylor's on the roster, right? Uh, it's a good point. Uh, maybe. I was looking at uh, the other guy. Like I said, there's these two There's these two thoughts that I don't have a confirmation on. I guess, but yeah. No, you know, Tyler Goodson, who looked like, you know, Aaron Jones, uh, you know, point two, 
um, as a backup out there. He had a good camp, and he had some good preseason work, and he had a really nice-looking run for 24 yards and a touchdown against the Chiefs. But you know what the answer to that question is? Kylan Hill. Yeah, yes, you know, yes. The guy, the kid that was the return man last year, I think that as, as hard as Tyler Goodson worked in camp and in the offseason, it still didn't beat the tape they had on Kylan Hill from last season. They're waiting for that kid to come back from his ACL and be that third guy. I like that. I like that. I hope they use Amari Rogers in some different creative ways. There have been a lot of Ty Montgomery comparisons thrown around the last two days between this show and the Bill Michaels show. I miss Ty Montgomery. That's a good idea, but you know something? Um, uh, Amari Rogers is, would be a whole lot easier to work with. I mean, Ty uh-huh. uh, kind of had a chip on his shoulder. Good guy, but um, just uh, you know, a little stubborn at times. And and once they got him in, because they thought he was going to be the next Randall Cobb, and it turned out he wasn't. You know, and so McCarthy still thought, well, in Stafford, and we kind of used a high draft pick. Maybe instead of wide receiver, because he's kind of slow, uh, we'll move into the backfield. And you know, but he ended up in the league. I mean, he still got another four three or four years in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I think he last finished with the Ravens, but you know, it was, you know, he was an average player. This is, this is a pro Ty Montgomery show. We, we revisited the history of Ty Montgomery yesterday and how his career has gone. We don't need to relitigate Ty Montgomery, but I, I do think, you know, a hybrid role for Amari Rogers, a little bit here and there could be an interesting wrinkle to this team. And it's certainly something we'll pay attention to next week. Mike, we'll be previewing week one. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for next week. Listen, man, I was in the booth and sitting over my shoulder at the L.A. Coliseum was Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball. And when Ty Montgomery came out of the end zone with that football against Sean McVay and the Rams and then fumbled it so that Rodgers couldn't get the ball back, they were pounding and saying words I can't say on your show. Hey, next time you sit in the booth next to those guys, you should tell them to listen to the Wisco Sports Show because there's some really smart. Maybe they'd get some ideas. Maybe there's some enjoyment. You know, just pass pass the word along. You know, professionally. Why not? You can be out in the office in the background, right? With the while they're looking at tape. Why not? Why they not? listen. They're sports fans. They can listen to sports radio too. Yeah, that's funny. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, you'll be covering Packers Vikings, and we're going to be getting into actual football soon, which is really exciting, Mike. I hey, appreciate the time. I, I hate to ask this on the air. Yeah. I, I'd like to stop by your studio on the way to Minnesota next week. Oh, we'll talk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Hell yeah. All right. All right, talk Mike. Talk we'll later, talk Grant. Soon. Yeah, have a good one. That's Mike Clemens on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Oh, he wants to stop by the old studio. Well, I'm going to have to get a second microphone. Then. <laughs> He's going to be disappointed. This is no uh, This is no Ebo and Kenny and Heilprin studio we're dealing with. Now, I, you know, I've, I've given it some homey touches. Decorated it in here. We got a we got a picture of Craig Council. We got an old Trevor Time, Trevor Hoffman pennant, and a black and white picture of Future because it makes me laugh. There's a chalkboard wall. Uh, yeah, you could. Say, I'd love to have you stop by, Mike. Uh, I'll have to make room and get a second microphone, which shouldn't be too hard. Or a radio station. We should have some of those laying around. Let's take a break. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.